Matthew 5. Preaching our way through the Beatitudes. I hope that uh, you're getting in the rhythm here of what we're doing and absorbing all of these in and applying them to your life. The Beatitudes are supreme blessings that come from God. As Jesus taught on specific topics, we're supposed to take what he's taught and apply it not just in our head knowledge, but into our hearts so that we can live it out in our daily walk. It's in the application of these things that the blessing is released. Each blessing that comes from applying these principles is released only when we live the scripture. Amen. We're supposed to be not hearers only, but doers. Come on, are you alive out there? I'm preaching already. Hello. Good morning. We're supposed to do the word. Now, if you just, oh, I like to hear the word. There are people who hear and hear and hear and hear, and their life hasn't changed much in decades. There's no reward attached to that. Right. Some people like to just hear theology to increase their knowledge so they feel uh, intelligent and astute and theologically correct, but there's no application in their daily living. And there again, this is what this is all about in Matthew 5. Jesus is giving us principles to apply. So I'm going to bless the word. I'm going to read it to you. And then we're going to hop in uh, to our target verse. Uh, this week, our target verse is a little bit of a shift in gear in verse 7. Blessed are the merciful. So we're going to talk about mercy this morning. Father, I thank you for the word. I thank you for the words of Jesus that come alive to us by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, allow the word to just explode in our hearts today so that it would provoke us to godliness and that there would be changes in the way we think and the way we uh, move and the way we live so that others would see Christ in us and that they would see the Father and want to fall in love with Jesus. I pray this. In Jesus' matchless name, and the church said, Amen. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Verse 7, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Now the Beatitudes are actually shifting gears a little bit here in their focus. Remember we said the topic principles of the first several that we did were undesirable at face value. You see, you know, we, we noticed that we started with poor in spirit and nobody wants to be spiritually poor, financially poor. Poverty is not something we aspire to. Then we talked about mourning. There again, mourning is the necessary part of life, but it's nothing that we look forward to. Then they talked about the meek and our society sees meekness as weakness. So there was that negative connotation there. Last week, we talked about being hungry and thirsty, and nobody likes to be hungry or thirsty. Say amen. amen. If you didn't say amen, you're not allowed to have lunch today, and we'll see you at dinner. Also notice a little shift in gear in that 
uh, you know, the poor in spirit, the mourning, the meek, the hungry, and the thirsty. The shift in gear is that the next three are not negative at face value. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Those things don't have, you know, a, a negative connotation at face value. So there's a little shift in gears here. Also notice about this verse, it's unique in the sense that uh, blessed are the merciful is the only beatitude where the blessing received is exactly the same as the thing being sown. You sow mercy and you receive what? You sow mercy and you receive what? Mercy for mercy. It's sowing and reaping in its purest form. And we have to look at that. You know, if I want mercy in my life, and if there's a lack of mercy in my life, if everyone and everything is hard on me, I need to look at myself and say, am I sowing mercy? Do I extend mercy to others, or do I always want to be right? Do I always want to be first? Do I always want my pound of flesh? Do I always have to set people straight? Come on. Yeah. It's quiet now. When that telemarketer calls at dinner time, wants to talk to you about your extended warranty. Come on, mercy. If you want mercy, you sow mercy. So what does the word mercy mean in our text? The Greek word used in our text is el eomon, and it means active compassion. If you're taking notes today, I want you to write that down. When you see that word mercy there, what the Greek is expressing is it's not just a, a mental ascent that you feel compassion, you feel sorry, you know, like in your heart and you don't really get involved, but it's an active compassion. I want you to see that there's action associated with this. And uh, at first service, I made a statement, and I'll make it again too. Compassion without action is not very compassionate at all. Amen? You see somebody hurting. You see somebody in need. You see somebody with a flat tire on the way home in the rain, and you just go by and go, aw. Turn your heater up a little bit. Active compassion. There, there's no need. I mean, it's nice that we make the mental connection or the, the, you know, the, the emotional connection that, oh, we feel bad for someone's plight. But, you know, until we get involved, until we roll up our sleeves, until we do something, nothing changes in their situation. So compassion that's not active is not very compassionate at all. Jesus did more than feel bad about the fact that we were lost and going to hell. Jesus activated his compassion. He showed mercy and he endured the cross on our behalf. Come on, aren't you thankful that Jesus did more than make an emotional connection with us? But that he actually came down from heaven. He left his father's side. He walked among us. He died, he rose, and he's alive forevermore. Do you see the power when compassion is activated. Do you see the power when mercy is put into action? Jesus's actions changed everything yes. for all of us. Our mercy and our compassion has to be more than cerebral. If it's not, it'll never impact others. And if it's only cerebral, we'll never reap the reward of this beatitude. I want to talk to you about four reasons why every Christian should be merciful today. And every Christian should be merciful. And I'm going to give you four reasons why today. And I hope that by the time we leave this place, we're convinced that mercy needs to be a part of our daily routine. Number one, the first reason Christians should be merciful is this. Being merciful reveals our true spiritual alignment. 
Being merciful reveals our true spiritual alignment. How are we aligned spiritually? Are we really children of God? Are we really sons and daughters of God? Or are we like those who cry, Lord, Lord, but Jesus says, I don't know you. Now, I'm not saying that to make anyone feel insecure here today, but I'm just saying there are a lot of people who say they're Christians, but their, their lifestyle and their works and the way they conduct themselves does not line up with Scripture. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than sleeping in a garage makes you a car. Okay? Well, I go to church and I carry a big Bible. Yeah, sleep on the car. I sleep on the garage floor with a quart of oil. You're not a Chevy. So, you know, it, it proves who we are and it proves our spiritual alignment. Let's talk about this a little bit. Mercy is not just what God shows. Mercy is who God is. You wrapping your mind around that? You say, why is that true? Because mercy is a divine attribute of God. A divine attribute is something that's always true about God. God is always loving because God is love. God is always just. He can't be unjust. God is always merciful because that's who he is. Understand there are certain things that are always true about God. God doesn't wake up one morning and, oh, oh he's in a bad mood. Right. We all know people like this, right? You know, what kind of mood are they in today? I remember when I was building my house and it was, there's a lot of stress in the bank and building and work and pastor in the church. The, the workers would look at me and go, what kind of mood is he in today? We fluctuate, we change, we vary, but God never does. The truth is that God is always merciful, not because you know it's just his mood or, or it's what he feels like doing, it's who he is. Ephesians 2, 3, and 5 among them were two all formerly lived to the lust of the flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even to the rest. Listen, but God being rich in mercy. Mm, let me read that again. But God being rich in mercy because of his great love, which with he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace are you saved. Wow. God being rich in mercy. Why is he rich in mercy? He was in a good mood? No. Mercy is just who he is. It's his divine attribute. So having made the understanding that that's true, when we are merciful, we show that we are children of God. When we are merciful, we show that we are aligned with God. And why? Because we emulate him and that we are children of God. And that, that alignment shows people that there's something different about us that points to heaven. Wow. Our alignment is so important. The nature of it, the, the reality of it, and how we behave points either to God or in a different direction. You know, God is merciful and we believe that. But you know who isn't merciful? The devil. The devil has no mercy for you. He has no compassion for you. He doesn't care about your suffering. He wants to increase it. He doesn't care about your eternal uh, soul being with God. He wants to drag it to hell. The devil doesn't have mercy on anyone. He binds people in chains of addiction. He binds people in immorality. He lies. He deceives. He twists. He, he is a killer and a murderer. And listen to me. That's the difference between God and the enemy. A totally different nature. While God is merciful, the enemy is unmerciful. Listen and every person whose heart is aligned with the devil will always find an excuse to not show mercy. 
If you see people not extending mercy, there's a root to that. And the root is that, you know, they are not aligned with God, but they're aligned with the enemy. John 8, 48, Jesus shows the power of alignment. He said to the the religious people, the Pharisees, now think, these were the uh, high high-level religious spiritual people of the day. They thought so much of themselves. And here's what Jesus says to them. You are of your father, the devil. Say what? And you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own nature for he is a liar and the father of lies. Look what he says to them. What is he saying? You are of your father, the devil. You think you're so perfect. You think you're so holy. You look down on everybody else. You look at other people and go, oh, if you could just be half of what I am. Wow. And that's what Satan did himself. He said, I will exalt myself above the throne of God. I will be like the most high, amen? Understand, there is a a conflict of kingdoms here and alignment is important. He was basically saying to those religious people who are religious and lost, you are aligned with the devil. How are we aligned today? Well, our actions prove how we're aligned. Are we quick to show mercy? Are we actively compassionate towards even the most difficult people? You know, it's easy to be merciful to people who are kind and nice and think like you think, but think about a difficult person. (laughs) Look around, there's a few. In the church, we call people who are difficult EGRs. Do you know what that means? Extra grace required. EGRs. So, you know, think about how are you merciful to people who rub you the wrong way? Who, who are annoying? Come on, this is spiritual. It's okay. That person who gets right in your personal space and just, blah, 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 and they never heard of a tic-tac. Come on, that was funny. What are you ooing about over here? (laughs) You know, do you have grace? Do you have patience? Do you extend mercy? Or do you run away? Or you do not talk to people? You hide from this one. And you think about this. Mercy shows our alignment. Do we extend mercy? It shows our alignment. Are we the righteous judge of everything? We just judge, 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 and we look down. Well, that's the that's the heart and the mouth of a Pharisee. And that shows our alignment. Being merciful shows that we're aligned with God. It reveals our spiritual alignment. It shows the world that we are children of God. And that's why every child of God should be merciful. Number two, being merciful is the only appropriate response for the Christian. Now, I know that was a mouthful, and I'm going to say it again. And I want you to think about it as I'm saying it here. Being merciful is the only appropriate response for the Christian. If you've lived for any amount of time... And when you were young and growing up, and especially, I don't know, maybe if you were a little boy, you've been told before that you are being inappropriate. Anybody? Come on, you little brats. I know you were bad when you were little. And they would look and, you are being very inappropriate now, young man. I don't know how many teachers I've had say that to me. I know I can hear it in at least a dozen different voices. But there are times where all of us have been accused of being inappropriate. And 
Being inappropriate means that you are acting in a way that is totally out of balance, out of the norm. It is totally wrong. It is conduct unbecoming. Realize that being called inappropriate is something that should really grab our attention. Now, why is it inappropriate for Christians to respond in any way but mercy? Listen, when believers choose to be judgmental or harsh or cold-hearted towards those who need God's mercy, it's totally inappropriate and this This is why, because we as Christians are the direct recipients of the most merciful act that was ever bestowed on mankind, and that's the cross of Jesus Christ. (laughs) You and I have been given grace and forgiveness, and we didn't deserve it. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. That's us. So here I am, just a big old grace sponge, sucking up grace, just lots of grace, dripping with grace. And then someone comes to me and they wrong me or they annoy me or they don't, you know, they don't fall in line with me and I don't extend the mercy. That is totally inappropriate, young man. (laughs) The only response for us is to extend to others what's been extended to us. Are you getting this? It's right to reciprocate grace. So the Christian who won't is a contradiction and they're confusing to people. These are the people who are safe from their sins, yet they're so judgmental. These are the people who have been forgiven uh, by by what Jesus did on the cross, yet they, they, they have no grace for others. Jesus shows us that to have that attitude, to to be at that level of hypocrisy is actually breathtaking. He teaches a whole parable on it, the parable of the unforgiving servant in Matthew 18. And I just want to take the time to read it to you. I'm going to sit down. You just sit on your mats and then grab your milk. It's story time. (laughs) For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wishes to settle accounts with his servants. When he had begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Now a talent is like five years wages. So you do the math on that. This is a huge amount that he owes. But since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had and repayment be made. But the servant fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him saying, have patience with me and I will repay you everything. And the Lord of the servant felt compassion and released him and forgave him his debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he seized him and began to choke him saying, pay back what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down to the ground and began to plead with him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you. But he was unwilling and went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what was owed. So when his fellow servants saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. Then summoning him, he said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you the debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have mercy on your fellow servant in the same way that I had mercy on you? And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. Listen to what Jesus concludes the parable with. My heavenly father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. Wow. Sobering, amen. 
God has extended us mercy. He expects us to reciprocate and extend it to others. Any other response is inappropriate for the Christian because we are the direct recipients of the grace of God through the cross of Jesus Christ. Number three, the third reason every Christian should be merciful is this. Being merciful is a universal positive. There are very few things that all of humanity can agree on that are good. And, you know, I tried to think about this as I was studying and meditating on uh, this message and this point. Uh, What group of people would look down on mercy? I mean, there are very few exceptions. Pastor Mike and I would say maybe in the mafia, maybe in a crime syndicate, maybe, you know, I I don't know, uh, politics. Uh, I mean, unless you're a twisted human being, when you look at mercy being extended, it does something to your heart. Come on, uh, did you guys notice in the news that one situation where a police officer had shot someone and the, 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 the young man went, whose brother it was, and hugged him and said, I forgive you. Do you, you guys, come on, I saw it all over Facebook. Don't look like I'm making up stories now. Right, do you remember that? Man, that warmed every Grinch's heart. Nobody looked at that and go, what a jerk he is. Can't believe he did that. I mean... The extension of mercy is a universal, that, it's a positive that everybody looks at and says, that's a beautiful yes. thing, that's a yes. good thing. Paul exhorts us in his epistles many times to focus on things that are universally positive. Galatians 5, and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, or mercy, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Listen, against such things there is no law. What does that mean, against such things there is no law? It means everybody agrees that this is a positive thing. Philippians 4, 8, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Paul is telling us, focus on the universal positives, the things that everyone agrees are good things. Those things should be manifested in our life. Why? When people see them, it will point to our heavenly father. So the universal positives are important. Scripture encourages us to focus on them. Now, I want you to understand something. I bet no one of us will ever hear this statement. Are you ready? You know what really, really I I despise about you is how you're so obnoxiously merciful to me when I do you wrong. (laughs) You're never going to hear that. Because when someone wrongs you, and instead of wronging them back, you are merciful to them, that warms the heart of any normal person. And if you're dealing with someone that that doesn't touch, you need to pray because these only come out by prayer and fasting. Understand that universal positive. Now, you know, you're looking at me like I'm telling you something you already know, but how many of us practice this? How many of us extend this? How many of us, when we're on the phone, you know, with the telemarketer, we're on the, phone, on the line and someone cuts us off. When in traffic, they, they, they beat us to that. I mean, do we extend mercy? It's quiet. <laughs> because all of us could use a, a mercy booster from time to time the old mercy B12 shot. (laughs) And it's easy to get in the flesh and forget that we are saved by grace 
that we receive the greatest gift of mercy and all of a sudden we get, we want what we, you know, we demand things that, that are beyond grace. One of my favorite stories about mercy, uh, I'm gonna share with you in just a minute, but all of us love it. All of us love receiving mercy. When you've done someone wrong and they forgive you and they let it go, have you ever experienced that? They actually let it go? Married people? They forgive and forget, right? What a beautiful thing to be forgiven and, and, and to have mercy extended. What a, what a beautiful thing. It feels so wonderful to give mercy when someone asks you for grace and you're able to extend it. The truth is that those who give mercy inspire us. And my favorite illustration on mercy is this. It's a story about Napoleon Bonaparte. And really the hero of the story is the mother in the story. And I want you to listen to it. A mother once approached Napoleon seeking a pardon for her son. The emperor replied the young man had committed a certain offense many times. Justice demanded he be put to death. But I don't ask for justice, the mother explained. I plead for mercy. But your son does not deserve mercy, Napoleon said. Sir, cried the woman, it would not be mercy if he did deserve it and mercy is all I ask for well then said Napoleon I will give you mercy and he spared the boy the mother didn't want justice she didn't want what was due she wanted mercy she asked for mercy and he extended mercy the Bible says we have not because we ask not sometimes our pride prohibits us from asking for mercy God will humble us I wonder how long we have to spend in the pig pen sometimes before we can say mercy. Being merciful is the only appropriate response for the Christian. It's a universal positive. It shows our spiritual alignment. And number four, I conclude with this. Being merciful or unmerciful adds up. Being merciful or unmerciful adds up. Just because we're saved doesn't mean the law of sowing and reaping is not in operation in our lives. Verse 7 clues us into the fact that all of us have what amounts to a mercy account. Look what it says here. It says, blessed are the merciful for what? They shall obtain mercy. Well, how are you going to obtain mercy unless there is a record being kept of how you've shown mercy? So there is a mercy account in heaven with my name on it, with your name on it. Now, that might make us think a little bit this morning. That might sober us up. Anything that's being accounted for us, that means at some point we're going to have to answer to the accounting of that. Yes. Do you know God's watching what's going on? Yeah. Amen. Do you yeah. Amen. He's watching. He notices. He sees he sees how we behave. He sees if we're just or if we're unjust. He sees if we're merciful or if we're unmerciful. And there's an account up in heaven that is storing up whether I'm merciful or unmerciful. You say, well, what's the point, preacher? Listen, in 50 years, I've learned that you and I better pay attention to anything that stores up in our name. Yeah. Anyone ever had something store up against them that they wish didn't? Come on. How about interest? How about late fees? How about that credit card payment you forgot to make? How about that car payment you, you, you forgot to mail? Hello? How about back taxes? How about cholesterol? How about fat? 
it just stores up without, I mean, it seems like all you do is eat constantly and the next thing you know, you're fat. It just doesn't seem fair. Because things store up for us. It's not in a vacuum that it's done, but it's tallying up, it's compounding. And, and things that store up, we should pay attention to. Now you might be saying, well, why do I need to pay attention to what's in my mercy account? You know, I'm saved by grace. It, salvation is a free gift. My name's written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. I'm going to heaven. Yeah, all that's true. It's not gonna take away your salvation. We don't earn it. It is a free gift. But the thing is this, we should pay attention to what's in our mercy account because almost certainly someday all of us will need to make a withdrawal from it. You're going to need mercy. I'm going to need mercy. And when I go to my account, I hope it's not in the negative. I hope when I need mercy. Look at David. David was just an amazing man of God, yet there were moments in his life where he needed the mercy of God. He said, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. God, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. David prayed that. What was he saying? Because my sins are so wicked because of what I've done with Bathsheba and killing Uriah. God, I need your mercy. And because he had extended mercy at moments, God was able to extend mercy to him and still say, he was a man after my own heart. That mercy account is important. And if you think it's not, you're deceiving yourself because there'll be a time when all of us are in the wrong and all of us need an extra measure of grace. Remember this as I close. There is nothing more ugly than a person who refuses to show mercy. I'll close with this story. King Richard III went out at twilight to inspect his troops, and he found a guard fast asleep at his post. The king promptly took out a dagger and stabbed him through the heart and left a note on his corpse. I found him asleep and left him as so. What a contrast to the patience and tenderness Jesus showed with his sleeping disciples. What a contrast of patience and tenderness it is that Christ shows us all the time. I wonder when King Richard III stood before God and needed mercy, was there any in his account? I wonder, will there be any in ours? It's entirely our choice. Today, mercy adds up. Our account is being tallied. And when we need to make a withdrawal from it, it'll depend on what we've sown into it. Mercy is the only appropriate response for the Christian. It's a universal positive, And it shows our true spiritual alignment. Many say, Lord, Lord. But Jesus said, I never knew you. Either we're aligned with him and our actions say so, or we need to consider whether or not we're really in the faith. Let's bow our heads this morning. Father, I just thank you this morning for reminding us about mercy. Father, it's easy to get, go through life at moments and want to not extend mercy and find all kinds of excuses why we shouldn't have to and, and, and not to have the patience we once had for others where they need some extra grace. But God, it is conduct unbecoming of a Christian to be legalistic and harsh and cold when we are the recipients of your great grace. So Father, stretch us and show us every opportunity where we can send, express mercy to our husband or to our wife, to our spouse. Father, where, where we could be cold or we could be gracious to our children, to our coworkers, to our neighbors. There's so many opportunities to store up mercy in our account and to show mercy to others that it might point to our heavenly Father. 
I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Give him praise this morning. Bless you, Lord.